0: We are challenging the stigmatization of normal human suffering, and we are done pretending and subscribing to the notion that it is taboo to have challenging mental health experiences. Welcome to the Pretty Mental Health
1: Club, and enjoy the show. Pretty Mental
0: family, welcome back. We love you.
1: We miss you. Hello.
0: Happy hello. Monday. Hello, hello, beautiful people. In today's conversation, we got deep into the nitty-gritty of the energy of guilt and how we can start to challenge it, where we kind of explored where this energy has come from for a lot of our culture and why it's so important to challenge it. So This is a really good one to get into if you don't enjoy being manipulated. You've got to have some tolerance for guilt and for being misunderstood if you want to feel free and authentic and, again, not fall prey to manipulative tactics from others because that's just how it goes.
1: Yeah, and if you want to learn how to have deeper intimate connections with people, learning how to manage guilt is huge it is it's huge it allows you to be more comfortable in your own skin comfortable comfortable around other people and that allows you to have deeper intimate connections
0: and it opens up the door for community to actually feel like community which yeah. we also explored why that's such an important factor of being mentally well mm-hmm. being able to have that access to community mm-hmm. on any level so You guys just tune in and we will dive deeper into all of this juiciness. All right. Pretty mental
1: family. With that, take in a deep breath with us. In tune in, we ground ourselves in, we open ourselves up. we open ourselves up to whatever wants to come through. As we call in all of the energies that walk with us in this lifetime. Knowing that we are held and we are guided in every single moment, we open ourselves up to whatever this moment wants to be. What is this conversation asking of us? We are here, we are grounded, we are connected. The portal is now open.
0: What up? Welcome back. I giggled to myself when you were doing that, the opening, because it's like, what is this conversation asking of us? Do we know where this will flow? This is a, is a, a very flowy stream of consciousness type of vibe that we cultivate here so it's yeah it's cool to see where it ends up going it's it's like an abstract painting
1: (laughs) we literally used to oh my god you guys the one of the first podcasts that we were planning on recording ever but this is why you just this is why consistency is so important because you develop your style as you go yeah and I've had people ask me because they want to start a podcast like how do you even get your style how do you know what you want to ask And I'm like, you just go, go, go and go. And then you pivot when it doesn't work. And then you somehow you figure out your style as you go. You know, we're two years in and we're still learning every single time with every single conversation. This is why you should never wait until you're ready. You just go and then it'll reveal itself to you. It'll, it takes, it's its own entity. Pretty mental is its own soul. It's its own nervous system, as we've mentioned before. And it tells us, you know, it tells us what, what it wants from us. And the first one of the first episodes that we ever recorded was um One Nation under Stress. Do you
0: remember? Oh my god, that was horrendous.
1: <laughs> no, we were literally <laughs> hold on. We were literally gonna do a basically like um we're gonna talk talk about this documentary that we saw one nation under stress. Cause it was so impactful. And it talked about the opioid epidemic and how just like really strong and important mental health concepts. And this was when we were brand new to creating podcasts. So it was literally basically like we were writing a book report and we <laughs> sat, I swear it took us 24 hours to like, we watched the whole pot, the whole documentary. And then <laughs> we took notes on like every bit of it so we basically like rewrote the doc i don't even know it was i don't like even writing. know
0: i think we we thought we were writing a book it a literally was like, we statement. wrote a thesis statement
1: <laughs> and then when it was time to record the podcast it was just like paragraphs that we were supposed to like read off of from our notes <laughs> and i'm like what is it? like we tried so hard to do that. and then we did it like three times because it never came out natural because we were reading from a fucking document <laughs> and then we just scrapped
0: it all together Oh, Uh, look, if you want to go out of your comfort zone and expand your skills in new areas, increase your tolerance for being embarrassed. And fucking
1: up. Yeah. Just show up and get it out. Like, take messy action. That is my favorite statement. Take messy action. Just go.
0: Yeah. My friend was talking. We were talking yesterday about our old kickball crew. Mm. And how so many people that were really competitive in the initial crew ended up quitting after the first season, mm. um, because <laughs> one of our friends is like, I'm not going to drive an hour to lose on Wednesdays. <laughs> <So like, laughs> there's so much, many better things for us to do. And, and my friend was just like, you know, people have to learn to be good at losing so that they can get to winning. Yeah. And that's so true. And it, it it's a skill. It requires cultivating that tolerance. You have to. And knowing that it's you're doing this be, really, truly for the journey, because I remember
1: the first episode we ever recorded, I literally stayed up till 3 a.m. I think I edited it for 10 hours. Like, I'm <laughs> not kidding you. I couldn't believe it. And I had I was done editing it. And then I woke up again at like 11 p.m. And I'm like, no, (laughs) there's more. We said like 285 million times. And I went in and I took out every single like that Paula said and that I said. Oh, my God. And now we don't even edit it. We're like, this is just one take. Be authentic. Go. It is what it is.
0: Here you go. Here you go. But it It gets two years. Yeah. You simplify the process as you go along.
1: Yeah. So... Some updates from me. I got my food allergy sensitivity test back from
0: Everly Well. Cool. What did you find out?
1: I'll put a little discount code in the show notes. They didn't give we don't have a formal partnership, you guys. They just when you buy something, they'll give you a a discount code for your friends. But I'll put it, why not? You'll get a few bucks off. Yeah. Um, I what did I find out? Honestly, it was better than I thought it was. Really? Yeah. I'm only highly alert. Which I don't know what that means because I eat them all the time,
0: but I, <laughs> maybe, maybe <not. laughs> actually there might, that might mean a few things.
1: <laughs> I'm only, there's only one thing. So there's levels to it. There's like, you're super allergic, moderately and mildly. I'm super allergic, allergic to almonds, but wow. I like eat almond butter by the can. So I don't, it doesn't do any. Valentina. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, yeah I do know. you think this might have something to do with some stuff maybe probably
1: there's still another test i'm taking that that to me is gonna be more telling
0: yeah um the hormone test so the hormone test
1: mm-hmm.
0: the food allergy test would be interesting i am i eat eggs every single day so i'm oh, just like i'm allergic to egg yolks I should do it. I think when you eat the same thing for a continuous amount of time, your body ends up building a resistance to it. Mm, Yeah, maybe. Sometimes.
1: Maybe. I mean, the fact that I'm not, if that's the truth, then I should be like highly deathly allergic to avocados. That's probably what my mom would tell you. (laughs) I'm not though. It's on my safe list. And spinach and arugula and all that, which my mom swore I was allergic to. No. And I eat it like three times a day. So, you know.
0: Cool. So we might all go take this food allergy test and find out. I'm definitely curious. Use my discount code. (laughs) (laughs) Puss it in the show
1: notes. I will. Um, And what other notes? Let's see. I went into the ocean yesterday and I swam in it. That was cool. Lately, when I go to the ocean, I just go dip in and I'm in there for just like a few minutes and then I get out because it's too frigid. And yesterday I was fully swimming in the ocean.
0: Because your tolerance for the cold has grown.
1: It's so interesting. What I realize is it's my relationship with the cold is how I see it. You're probably right, too. But how I see it, because my friend went in there with me. She's like, how are you doing this? And I was like, you I'm literally I don't know. I don't know. It's, I guess I'm just used to it now. But my relationship to it in the beginning, it was something that caused me pain. And now it's something like I said in the last episode that I crave that cold water because it fully gives
0: me my life back. It's like a shot of espresso,
1: without the jitters.
0: Yeah, it. That's what it all comes down to. Mm-hmm. It's all about relationships. Yeah, it's all about relationships. Valentina also partied, <laughs> <laughs> partied with the Obamas this weekend. A bit I didn't party. Though.
1: I didn't party with them. They were just at the same party as me. That's what happens when you go to Hollywood. So my my friend who lived here for 10 years, she would always tell me these celebrity sighting stories. That they were casually like in the same little intimate situation. And when I lived in Atlanta, I was like, "Oh my god, that's crazy. How are you not freaking out, you know? Huge celebrities." And she's like, "It's so LA. Like it's it's really not what you think it is. When you're here, they everyone intermingles." And that is true, because me and Malia Obama were sitting on the same bed this weekend, <laughs> and it's you know, nothing casual, super casual. I feel bad bringing bringing up her. I'm like, just let let her live in privacy. But I just got to give you guys a little bit of <laughs> the juice
0: because too good, too good to not share.
1: I didn't know it was her until my friend was like, "That girl at the the end of the bed is Malia Obama," and I was like. Are you sure? And I googled her and it was. And then I think her sister was there too, but I don't know what she looks like. Um but very sweet regular normal girls, you As know. I just kept thinking could you imagine being the daughter of the president of the United
0: States? No, I would cuz I was thinking about that. They and going to a have- party? They probably have to think 10 times before they they decide to twerk or do anything that just feels free that might call attention to them. I would think they have. I remember there used to be pictures
1: of Malia going around on the interwebs of her, like smoking or partying, or she just, she seems like someone who doesn't really care. Like she's going to continue to live her life. And I kind of got that vibe from her there too, that she's just like committed to just being a human and not I don't I mean, I did not have a full on conversation with her. We spoke for a little bit, but I didn't get any kind of um, like she didn't feel like she was trying to be super perfect. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Or like putting on her TV face or her public face.
0: Well, good for her. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure if you're in the spotlight long enough for the sake of your sanity, you have to find a way to build a tolerance for it just like everything in this life. There were a few other celebs. There were like B-list celebs. (laughs) 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 I'm not gonna say their name. I'm not gonna say their name. And Pretty pretty Mental was in the house too, no big deal.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And I was there. (laughs) Fully there. And yeah, I don't wanna say their name because then it's like, how lame, like I feel bad, not lame, but I feel bad for people who, I'm sure everyone when they left was like, She was there. She was there. She was there. And she can't just like, you know, how do you assimilate and integrate? I remember, was it Justin Bieber? It was someone who had went through a really crazy um, like breakdown moment. And he was saying, he's like, it's not natural to have that much reflection back at you as, as to like who you are, what you look like, what you're doing, you know? That's crazy. Like yeah. millions of people telling you how you look today, that well, like they- your, your face looks extra puffy today. I'm saying that because I feel like my face looks extra puffy today. <laughs> and like just, who knows, probably because I ate some almonds, but you like just little tiny bits about how you're functioning in the world, people calling it out and like narrating your whole life and you have to be hyper,
0: literally self-conscious. Wild. Or you just get to, or you just cross the line and stop giving a fuck as a response. Low key, I feel like I would be someone who didn't care.
1: Low key, I feel like I would end up being like, you know what, I have to live my best life, you know? And just, I wouldn't read tabloids, but that's easier, like it's easy for me to say because I've never been in that position.
0: Yeah, it's easier said than done. I think they, they say that becoming a celebrity is a form of trauma which I think for a lot of us is kind of hard to wrap your our head around is like trauma. <laughs> give Millions, me of <laughs> Millions of dollars. Millions of dollars and glamour worth of trauma. But I think it's just because it's so unnatural that the human brain doesn't know what to do with it. Yeah. I don't know. I have, Who knows? have no idea. That's mm-hmm. yeah. Can't speak to that. No, not yet, at least. <laughs> at this point. Yeah.
1: Maybe year three.
0: (laughs) The pretty mental sisters. Did you hear? Keep wearing the same
1: sweatpants
0: over and over. (laughs) Are they okay? (laughs) I know. Just casual living our lives. I, um, I've been making a little more art if you guys see us on YouTube, you're going to see, this is my art wall. So the same wall that just happens to be behind me when I record. So you're going to see different paintings happening. And the cool thing about art is that it always reminds me that I I can, especially when I'm doing abstract art, but also when I'm doing figurative, it helps put, it helps broaden my perspective and it helps remind me that if I just kind of keep going with whatever move I make and not worry about fixing it and just kind of emphasize it even more, it becomes its own thing. It goes, it goes where it needed to. Like there's a multitude of multitude of options for where a piece can develop, just like life, and it's infinite. The variety is infinite. And it's really just with art, it just comes down to kind of sticking with whatever move you made and continuing to emphasize it. And whatever I, a lot of times the parts of the painting that I find the most frustrating while I'm doing it end up becoming my favorite if I stick with it and keep going. It's so mm-hmm. similar to life. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah. You just keep going and pivoting and allowing and not
0: fixating. Exactly. I also experienced a little bit of an anxiety spiral this weekend. And just very randomly, one of my best friends called me up that day and we ended up on the phone for like an hour and a half. And she also, she struggles with anxiety too, but we have very different things that make us anxious. Mm. And so we just kind of started, we were just sharing with each other, like, this is what my brain is doing. This is what my brain is doing. And then by the end of it, we were just cracking up because that i think that's a really underestimated anxiety tool is to just call somebody else that understands anxiety a little bit too and kind of go back and forth on the stories that your minds are coming up with and it it gets so ridiculous mm. especially when you're having somebody else reflect that back at you that by the end you're just cracking up at the ridiculousness of what the fear response the stories that the fear response tells us yeah. and the narratives that it crafts and it helps going down
1: to like through the entire narrative because oftentimes I think we think of like half of what could go wrong and then we almost abandon it and the rest goes like sub goes subconsciously. You know what I mean? So then it can haunt us. But if we're like, okay, this is I'm gonna tell you out from beginning, I'm gonna tell you from beginning to end and lay it out what my fear is. Then we go through the entire narrative and once we get to the end, we're like, okay, I can kind of see even though I'm still scared, I can kind of see that that is a little Silly, or like that really might not happen.
0: When you're saying it out loud, I think especially when it's a friend, because with friends, you typically have a certain degree of separation that your lives aren't super intertwined with each other. And there's enough of a difference between each other that chances are the types of anxiety that you have are not going to be identical or overlap with each other. So When you it it's cool because and they can like laugh at you in a way that a therapist might not, you know. And so it just you can find the comedy in what anxiety is telling you. It actually gets pretty freaking hilarious. Mm. Our mind comes up. Our mind comes up with all kinds of things to try to keep us safe.
1: It's wild. It really does. This is why we need community. We can't be always by ourselves. Because our minds will completely take over and start telling us, I don't know, it just gets muddy, really muddy. I've been seeing a lot of posts on Instagram, a lot of people who, I don't know if depression is rising right now, but a lot of people are struggling. Like, it seems like a lot of people are struggling right now, which yeah. makes sense. I mean, like, yeah. I there's think, a lot
0: happening in the world today. There's a lot happening, and there's a lot of things that just aren't natural, like scrolling all the time or being socially isolated. I know that for yeah. me, it just made a big difference to get out of my place, go see my one friend um, who's a dentist. <laughs> my one friend. <laughs> <laughs> go see my one friend.
1: Which <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that. Go I see him. Lab- of- yeah. Go ahead.
0: go see one of my friends who's a dentist and then just like the comedy of you know the experiences that we have together and then getting on the phone with this other friend laughing at our anxieties together and then at night just spending quality time with people that I feel comfortable with by the next day my mindset was very different it just it feels like two it feels like two totally different people yeah it's like what just came over me yesterday in ifs we call that flooding that when you get triggered if we're all made up of multiple parts there are certain parts that are going to get triggered by certain things and when that vulnerability comes up the part that protects you from that vulnerability can just take over your whole system almost like you're possessed and it floods your system and it helps have no ways that you can create space And once you do, and that part isn't as activated, it almost kind of like settles back down into its cozy position where it normally hangs out. And when it's no longer flooding you, there's a little more space in your system. And now there's other aspects of you that are, that have returned the more like the self energy, the part, the parts of you that can, the aspects of you that can see the broader picture. And then when you kind of, when you turn that corner, it's wild how different your relationship to yourself and to life can feel in just one day. Yeah, and the thing is our brains are archaic. They haven't fully
1: adapted to the dangers of today. So a lot of things put our systems in fight or flight. And unless we are really hyper aware of taking control of our minds and our bodies and we're on this mental health journey, we're not gonna be aware when things inside of us are going kind of chaotic all we're going to know is all of a sudden we're finding ourselves in an anxious spiral or we're depressed. When you start having more tools and you realize, you know, this connects to this, connects to this, connects to this, and I'm not actually crazy. It just makes sense because the human organism operates in that way, then you can help yourself. But we just have to keep reminding us that, reminding ourselves that our brains are archaic. They still think so many things are a threat that are not actually a threat. And then it takes over our entire systems. And then we end up hiding out and socially isolating ourselves and being afraid to be in groups and being afraid to be seen all
0: because of we need a new operating system. I think one of the parts of me that comes on and floods me really strongly is the energy of shame and being able to get on that call with that friend and being like, these are the things, and putting saying it out loud and then laughing about it together, it immediately dispels it. it kind of that, mon- you realize that the monster under the bed was actually a teddy bear that yeah. was trying to scare you. But especially with when you have parts that work from the energy of shame, it's really important to just try to open up to somebody. And hopefully, if that somebody is somebody that you can laugh with, even better. Yeah, yeah. I
1: think that community, I know that community is so important right now. That was one of my 2022, yeah, 2022 resolutions, not resolutions, I don't like that, but intentions for the year is calling in more community. And I have fully, and I love it. I love it, love it, love it. It's, it. there's just, we're social beings. We need community. And if you're having a hard time finding community, you can find groups, you know, you can find groups of like interests and start hanging out with those people, even if it's an online situation at first, if you don't want to go in person, but go somewhere where your voice is celebrated, where your being is celebrated. We need that as humans. We can't do this on our own.
0: No, not if our fear response gets activated and we just sit in the spiral of our mind with it, it can almost it almost becomes like um, a snake eating itself. Have you seen those images of animals? Mm-hmm. animal just yeah. kind of like, I wanted it tattooed on me? I devouring it. itself. Yeah. Yeah, it, it but then it, be, it yeah. It becomes like that. Like fear, more fear about the fear, then more fear about the fear. And then if you never let it out of your system, it turns it just, into depression. It can turn into depression. Yeah. Depression in many ways is a, it's a protective mechanism that just is like, oh my God, nothing is safe. I'm going to just shut it all out and hide in this little ball. So it's, Mm -hmm. it's also survival instinct. There's so many different reasons why these experiences happen. They vary as much as the number of people that are on this planet. I know that from seeing As many clients as I've seen over the years, that each individual person is their own case study. We can have themes for why you might be anxious or depressed, and we bring different variations of those themes to you guys here on a weekly basis. But each person has their own flavor of exactly what is feeding into that experience.
1: Yeah, that's why some of the things we may say, you guys are probably, you know, you don't have to agree with everything. This is always just our experience, and then the experience of. You know, the accumulation of experiences from the clients that we've worked with and the people that we've spoken to. And, but we all have to be on our own journey, getting curious about the things that make us tick, the things that make us, you know, just learning our own organism. But I will say that there are a few common denominators that are crucial to everybody's mental health. And I will be bold in saying everybody, which is our physical being, which we spoke about in last week's podcast, our mental are emotional slash spiritual and maybe if spiritual is triggering for you just stick with emotional and um community
0: yeah those are definitely pillars to consider when yeah. you're going through a challenge like which of those parts of me i could i help out even just a little bit and i and community is more than just your partner in
1: life too which oh, is important sure. important but I want to bring that up because that's something that I, I think it's really easy when you're in a relationship because you're just so cozy together and so comfy that you can abandon your friends a little bit and not tend to them because it's just easy to be with a partner. You just lay in sweats all day and you each do each other while, you know, do you while <laughs> you, do each you, other. Each, you each do each other, do each other, do each other. You do yourself while you or this you do just, yourself. Hold on. <laughs> hold on. I mean, maybe that too it's so easy. You mean sweats and do each other and do yourself. <laughs> Honestly, I may just leave why would you that. ever leave that little cozy oven? That, ass, that sounds amazing. But yeah, I that was definitely a mistake that I made because and I don't know if I would say mistake, but something that I saw the repercussions of it later on that I was so comfortable with my partner for so long that I it I wanted to do everything with him. every Any kind of adventure, any kind of like, if I was gonna drink, it was gonna be with him. Cause I wanted to feel that with him. If I was gonna party, it was gonna be with him. If I was gonna adventure, it was gonna be with him. And it, I was never as fulfilled with my friends until I got into the single life and, <laughs> i (laughs) (laughs) she's a savage hot girl summer (laughs) but no until i got into my single mode and realized when i when i broke up with my last partner i was really sad because i was like oh my god you know the who am I going to adventure with? Who am I going to do this with? Who am I going to do that with? And then I had some friends that were like us, Valentina, because I was saying this to my friends and they're like, literally us, you're just so used to only feeding those parts of yourself with him that you think when he leaves, you can't continue doing that with other people or it's not going to be as fulfilling, but it's only because you've only done it with him. You haven't shown yourself that it can be as fulfilling with your community. And it, they're so right because then I started, you know, doing all the things that I used to love with my last partner, with all my friends, and it's there. It's just it's a type of love that is so nourishing, and I'm really happy that this is. I'm going through this right now because I realize even when I do get a partner again, I my friends are everything to me still. I I'm gonna they they hold the exact same weight, you know. Not one is not greater than the other. And I don't say that, you know, you don't need a partner because I definitely, it's different. It's different kinds of love, but to fill all of those up makes the entire picture feel super complete.
0: Yeah. All the different loves, friendships, family, partners, our the love affair we have with our body, taking care of it, creativity, the relationship you have to your own creativity to your own creativity. That also fuels you to nature. The sauce is in the diversity. Mm-hmm. We find we find comfort in one source. And as human beings, we have a tendency to like when we find something that works and is comfortable, we're just like, oh my God, okay, okay, okay. I'm just going to stand right here. Nobody move. <laughs> yeah. But the nature of life is ever changing and ever flowing. And if we don't open up to that, the wave is going to come down and, and crash us.
1: The thing is, is that every new person that we meet and every experience we have opens up to a deeper, opens ourselves up to a part of ourselves. So if we're only sticking with one side, we're only ever going to get to know and strengthen one part of ourselves. But if we have different friends from different areas of life and we, you know, try all of the different colors that this world has for us with people and experiences, then we end up feeling so whole because it opens us up to it opens little doors inside of us, you know? It allows us to meet ourselves even deeper when we allow all of those different connections.
0: I agree completely. And with that, we can probably segue into what we wanted to explore in today's conversation, which was the energy of guilt. Because, you know, as we talk about relating, having these relationships and being able to be close to people, If we don't have a grip on our fear response to some extent, and we don't have a grip on our, for many people, very low tolerance for guilt, then relationships can actually not create that nurturing foster, that nurturing space that they have the potential to. Because if we don't have a low tolerance or a higher tolerance for guilt, we can kind of hold ourselves hostage to this fear of upsetting anybody. And as long as that is the predominant driver in our relationships, we can't show up authentically. And if we can't show up authentically, you're, you're not going to feel seen into yeah. intimacy is into me. See, and if you don't feel seen, you could be in a room full of so many people and feel isolated and alone and then that's really not going to make a difference then for the potential that human connection has to offer us
1: yeah so let's go into yeah let's go into guilt so to what is guilt it's a hard one to even explain the
0: way I would describe guilt is this it starts out as a pro-social coping mechanism if you have the capacity for guilt and for not upsetting others, then you're going to learn very early on that you probably get positive responses from other people when you put them first. And especially if, we, if our parents were maybe a little more volatile yeah. or you saw emotional chaos in your home and you realize that if you just kind of kept yourself nice and tidy and small and didn't ruffle any feathers, that was your best chance at not having that emotional volatility come your way. Mm-hmm. And so, guilt is a really good survival strategy to avoid upsetting people that are a little more emotionally volatile. But over time, and so it allows you to keep your attachment. And as we've said before, the primary need for all of us until we get to a place of more personal independence is attachment over authenticity. And so if guilt is what kind of kept you in place from doing anything that would be upsetting and losing your attachments, that part of you can get really strong and it can get really predominant in your emotional system. And it can just be the place that your emotional system turns to in order to keep your relationships in line and in a place that like, you're not gonna be threatened in any way.
1: Yeah, and I think that, we grew up in a situation, whether it was family or friends, where there was a lot of blame where people couldn't take full responsibility for themselves. Then naturally the people around start having to hold responsibility for them as well. You know, even if they're not
0: really responsible. Yeah. That can be part of it too. Mm -hmm. Like I said, there's a lot of different reasons why the guilt might be there. Um, but I would just say, like the most fundamental strategy or the most fundamental essence of it is to protect you from social rejection. It's one strategy mm-hmm. for protecting yourself from social rejection. Shame is another one because it like makes you keep yourself small and like not venture out. So then you're not gonna be targeted for any potential rejection, but you're also not gonna be seen for the potent for the possible inclusion that you could experience fully either. Guilt is a version of that where it's like, I'm just not going to move anything and I'm going to make sure everybody's really comfortable. And if they're really comfortable, then that kind of protects me in a way.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So it can come from, it can be so multifactored into what leads that to being a predominant strategy. But at the end of the day, I know that it's a predominant strategy for a lot of people. And, Along the way, this idea of not upsetting other people for a lot of humans came along with not having boundaries, like the two things got confound, get confounded for a lot of people, that if I'm going to be a good person and not upset anybody, then I don't really say no. And I just do what I need to do to make other people happy so I can keep my social circle intact. And that in some ways can work, but again, you're not being authentic. And also if you come across somebody that is very low guilt and more motivated with control, and they sense that you have no tolerance for guilt, they can really prey on that to get their way. Mm-hmm. And it becomes this vicious cycle between two people, um, where they just kind of feed each other's most unhelpful coping mechanisms.
1: So how do you tell your patients, for example, to deal with guilt or what comes up the most with guilt? And then how do you tell them to the best way to face up against that?
0: We'll start by reframing our relationship to it, because a lot of people started when they felt the presence of guilt in their system, their nervous system and immediately, um Interpreted that as bad, 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 bad. I'm mm-hmm. in the I'm in the danger zone. So I have to do whatever I need to do to get rid of this emotion.
1: Mm-hmm. And I same have to
0: th- bend. I have to bend backwards. I have to do yeah. Just I had just have to get rid it. of it. Like this yeah. shouldn't be here. Um, if from a very young age I learned that the presence of guilt was a warning signal signal that somebody could be upset at me, and that upsetness was threatening felt threatening to me then the moment that I feel guilt kind of cropping up in my system, I have to find a way to get rid of it as soon as possible. And that might mean immediately calling and apologizing over and over again, or not stating your needs or pretending you don't have needs. The moment that you notice the other person is starting to feel upset. Mm -hmm. Um, Or seeking validation. Seeking validation and reassurance reassurance. and over, over explaining yourself, not allowing yourself to be misunderstood. That's a big one not allowing yourself to be
1: misunderstood
0: that's a big
1: trap yeah especially when in the age of social media where there's eight billion different realities taking in you yeah i think it can be really stressful to think about that you have to appease everyone
0: a million percent not yeah not speak your truth you just don't know where people are coming from and why they're interpreting you in the way that they are. We all have such a diverse background of experiences and such distinct temperaments that your words and behavior to one person may be perceived totally different to another person. So if you're not OK with ever being misunderstood, you're going to be running around like a chicken with your head cut off, trying to justify and over explain yourself to people and depending on where that person is at in their own mental state, they that opportunity to when you go in there trying to over explain yourself, they might they can use it as an opportunity to hammer down on you harder until mm-hmm. you aren't holding your ground anymore for what your truth is. So cultivating a tolerance for discomfort around being misunderstood is a really undervalued skill. Yeah. There's obviously the other spectrum end of it, which is not having any empathy and, and literally not caring at all about having positive social connections. So you could care less if people misunderstand you or not. And then at that point, that just, that's just a whole nother extreme, but that's not what we're talking about here. Most people are in the middle and because we I don't know if it's the Judeo-Christian religious roots of a lot of our cultures, but this idea of being a good person, I think plays a pretty big role in people's low tolerance for guilt. Yeah. And it has to
1: stem somewhere, at least a little bit in religion. You know, the idea of like going to hell if you are not acting perfectly and being a specific identity, you have to, you have to lose parts of yourself, especially in the religious model, you have to ignore and lose parts of yourself in order to be worthy of existing.
0: Yeah. So I think that a good place to often start when we're talking about increasing our tolerance for guilt and being misunderstood can be assessing what you, what your belief system tells you as a good person. Mm Mm-hmm getting clear about what, what that paradigm that you're holding, like, what is a good person? Because a lot of us got really attached to that identity of like, I want people to like, think I'm good. I don't want to hurt anybody to the Mm -hmm. extent that we believe that making any kind of selfish choice, I put selfish in quotes, um, makes you a bad person. Yeah. And I think too, at least I know that this is what I
1: used to go through a lot is think I would think like very black and white. Technically, does this make me a bad person? And so like, if I did, this is this bad? If I, and I would never think, do I actually want to do this? You know, like I would almost see it as, as laws. Do the, does the majority of people think that this is bad? Does the majority of people think that this is good instead of being like, am I even comfortable with doing this? Cause technically I, for example, I had a friend, I can't, that's a very loose term friend. I met this person once 10 years ago <laughs> and they recently wanted to come and it was a male and they recently wanted to come and um, stay with me for a minute. And in my, in my mind, I was like, cause they, they had just popped up. We didn't plan anything. They popped up in LA randomly hit me up and like, can I stay with you? And I'm like, Oh, um, I mean, dang, I would go and like grab coffee with you or go hang, but stay like, that's, Right,
0: you're like, um, uh, this is a one bedroom. Like, oh con- my condo. Want to cuddle situation. with me in my studio?
1: <laughs> That's not what I'm trying to do. But I was like, I dang, I don't know if they have any other friends here, and they were, and I, I, they were cool when I met them when I was a kid. But I'm like, I don't know. Like, can Ew. I trust you? I don't know okay. you. I don't know yeah. what you're. Who you are like could, you could kill me i don't fucking know i really don't know we need to spend more time together that's such a like a bold ass and i felt <laughs> go ahead
0: yeah like can we maybe not jump to doing a sleepover i'm like or kind of like going into each other's private spaces can we jump to maybe like let's do a picnic like, right or even not in he just also wanted to just beyond the
1: sleepover just stay at my house for a little bit even just during the day and do some things and I'm like, I don't even just staying alone in my home with this one person that I, I don't know you, I don't know, but I felt so bad. I felt so bad. I'm like, fuck, dude. I don't know if they have other friends here. I don't want to say no to them. And I remember asking a few friends, I'm like, God, like, is that bad? Is that bad of me not letting them stay here? And they're like, no, I think it just means that he's a random dude that you haven't seen in so long. And like, that's okay. And I knew that technically, I knew that but something inside of me was still like, Oh, I, but I want to like be here for someone who may need a friend. I want to be here for someone who may need a roof or the, over their head for a little bit. I want to be here for someone who is seem like seems, I think he is a kind soul, you know, but we haven't hung out in forever, but I want to just be able to be there. Cause I always think on my end, man, if I needed help, I really hope someone would help me. So it gets fuzzy. Sometimes it gets fuzzy, but that's why we have to tune in and be like, what do Am I even comfortable with that? And for me, the fact that I had to ask so many questions, I was clearly uncomfortable. The fact that I had to like give my little story to a few friends and be like, what do you think? What do you think? You know, that's basically my intuition being like, Valentina, you're not comfortable with that. And that doesn't make you a bad person. Just say no. And maybe someone else would have said yes. And it doesn't mean that they're a good person or a bad person. They just were comfortable with that too. But I think our, it can get really fuzzy when we want to help and we want to, yeah. When when we want to help and make sure that we are being there for someone too. That's the one that has gotten in my way a lot that I've dealt with, with the guilt situation. When I want to be there for someone beyond my own comfort levels.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that we are too attached to this idea of good and bad on at every level hmm it's so, black. Our it's so experience. black and white it is it's like you're a good girl here's your star life is way more complex and layered than that so I think it was Carl Young Carl Young was the first person that really introduced the to my to the best of my knowledge the concept of the shadow and he definitely pushed being open to seeing your shadow and not being scared of it Um, and looking at it, looking at like the part of you that maybe is a scoundrel that isn't, that isn't this super ideal stand up citizen that never makes anybody uncomfortable or never says the wrong thing. The part of you that's just human, the part of you that wants to do shit for yourself. Sometimes the part of you that wants to enjoy your life sometimes, like without, even if it doesn't benefit anybody else. And looking at that and realizing that like we all have the potential to be the highest value moral human as society would deem it. And we all have the potential to exist in darkness that we tend to exile as not allowed in this society. And I agree. I mean, the moment that you are compromising your comfort and feeling of safety or your well-being and your basic needs and in your sleep or your your time for rest for other people. I mean, doing that every now and then is okay. We all kind of push past our limits, but just maybe seeing to what extent you do it and to what extent you're attached to this idea of being a good person or a bad person. And like how black and white is that for you? Because it really is not black and white. We all have some bad, I guess I would call it, you know, just for lack of a better word, And we all have some good, I guess. We're we're all just complex and layered. Like there's not going to be, there's no perfect way to move through this world. There's just, there's authenticity. What's your truth?
1: Yeah. And yeah, what is your truth? What are you comfortable with? What are you not? And you're allowed to be uncomfortable with things that more other people would be comfortable with.
0: Well, you know, I, my friend that we are cracking up at our different anxieties. One of my, um, guilt hasn't been one of my things. <laughs> nope, not I. <laughs> Guilt just has not been one of my things like that. Like I'm I might feel it a little bit, but I I feel like I have a pretty good grasp on no, not Paula, being yeah, not being controlled by that.
1: You were good at that.
0: Yeah. That one had me. That was mine, y'all. Yeah. So I was talking to my friend and I was like she's like, "Yeah, but I still feel guilty." And I'm like, "You know what? Like for you that's a good thing. That's actually a good thing that you feel guilty." <laughs> And that that's just existing in your system, and you're not doing anything about it. Like for you, that's a good thing, um, because I mean, as I was saying to her, I'm like, I trust me, I have a lot of other things that I struggle with, but guilt is not does not is not a controlling factor in my life like that. Um, I go back to my authenticity. But if it, it has been historically a controlling factor in your life, then the presence of guilt. I would, the way I would reframe that it's kind of like you do with the cold, like actually, no, this is the fact that guilt is here is probably a good signal. Like I'm not worried about you becoming a psychopath overnight, which is, I think what people are scared of sometimes when they start allowing guilt into their system or, or to exist without having to do anything about it. Our mind goes to such extremes so often that people are like, well, does that mean I'm, a, I'm just like not going to care anymore. And I'm just going to be a horrible person. And no, that chances of that's just so not, it's just not helpful to even go there because if you've been controlled by guilt, your whole life, like you're already at one end of the spectrum. So just go ahead and let some of that in, let, yeah. let, let the possibility of being seen as a bad person exist sometimes just do it, do it for an experiment.
1: You know, what I've seen too, is I've witnessed in other people when other people who tend to carry the guilt mode often or more often than other people are also have a hard time respecting other people's boundaries because they, you know, when you're comfortable with putting up a boundary and sitting with that, but also knowing that you're allowed to hold that boundary and not washing it away because you feel guilty, but holding that. Then when it comes to other people and they put up a boundary, even one that you don't agree with, even one that you're like, that's kind of lame. You are still able, if you hold up your own boundaries, you're going to be able to, and you question your guilt, you're going to be able to respect theirs. Ones that you don't understand, you're going to be like, oh, okay, cool. I respect your no. Mm-hmm. That's your no.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you've been kind of, if that's been one of the controlling factors, then letting some, the fact when there is some guilt there, it's kind of a good thing. That means your comfort zone is expanding in a healthy direction. hmm Cause if we don't have that, it's just so easy to end up in manipulative dynamics. Yeah. It's really yeah. easy.
1: Yeah. Cause you're going to apologize for everything without letting the other people learn what they need to learn. You're going to take responsibility for everything and then the, your partners or whatever dynamic you're in, it doesn't give them a chance to step up to the plate, mm-hmm. you know?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, just I exactly starting with what what do I think a good person is? Most people never really stop to ask themselves that question. They're just like a good person. Knee jerk Mm -hmm. response. A good person. Right. Is a good person someone who does everything for everyone? Yeah. Like, do you actually believe that? You know, I don't. Is a good person somebody who (laughs) (laughs) is a good person, somebody who, yeah, who never says no who sacrifices themselves for relationships. That's where religion did have a huge input. The fucking the sacrifice. Yeah.
1: Sacrifice yourself for other people. There's a term for that. And I'm not, it's not coming to my mind. The complex, something complex. I don't know. I don't know. Scrupulosity. Mm.
0: What? Well, we talk about that in a word. I've never heard of that. (laughs) Scrupulosity. Um, One of the way, one of the common manifestation for, uh, in OCD, can be this hyperfixation on good, bad, and moral. Mm. And then compulsing around that. So like scrupulosity refers to that hyperfixation on good, bad, and moral, often influenced by religious standards. Even like, if the person's not religious, it just kind of like seeped in at some point. And that whole idea of sacrificing yourself for the good of others is really held up on a pedestal. Um In a lot of spaces and a lot of professions in our society.
1: Yeah. And if you do not have to be religious. Yeah. For this stuff to hit you. I mean, because religion Mm -hmm. infiltrated everything in our society, even sexual, especially sexuality, where we have that, that when you were speaking, it reminded me of that whole thing that I've heard a million and one times of you can't. And we've talked about this on one of the podcasts of like you, in order to be deemed Uh, like a worthy woman, you can only have sex on, you know, this date, not the first, not the second, not the third, whatever it is. And it's like, that's so, it teaches you to ignore what feels good to you and allows you and takes away your power to be able to do something and stick with it and walk with your back straight after you make a decision.
0: Yeah. And you know what happened with religious models and even Western psychological models that have evolved over time is this, um, a lot of it has been, and even our current systems, a lot of it has been founded on the idea that human nature is inherently bad. And until we question whether or not that's actually really true and it feels true, then people do feel like they have to really operate from guilt and sacrifice because whatever their inherent drive is, is moral and sinful. I mean, immoral and sinful and primitive. And we're just beasts out here in a doggy dog world. And a lot of our systems have been developed under that premise. Our our psychological system in many ways, it's all like control, you know, it, it's shifting now our justice system, our educational system, keep everybody in control because if you don't have a bunch of laws and a lot of punishment, human nature is going to go ham and we're all just going to self-destruct. When in reality, the prison systems that have been proven to be the most successful, um, was it New Zealand or, or the Netherlands, in Europe, where they actually teach the guards to befriend the the prisoners and help humanize them. And so it becomes a rehabilitation process for coming back in society. Meanwhile, the US is all about punishment and rules and control of human nature. Uh, that has done nothing because the more that you try to punish, shame, guilt, control, and go to war, with human nature, whatever you go to war with is gonna go to war with you. And so it's all based on this unquestioned assumption that human nature is by fall, by, by default bad. And if we don't keep our eye on it, it's gonna go ham. And that's led us nowhere. I mean, the, look at all these shootings that are happening, like being in one of the most imprisoned countries in the world, because we are in the US, um, I forget what the statistics are right off the top of my head, but I want to say there's like, I mean, just infinitely more prisoners here than in a lot of other countries. That's a very botched statistic, but just go look it up yourselves, guys. Um, It hasn't, we also have more um, mass shootings than anywhere. And, you know, just so many things that it's not working. It's not working human nature from this place of it's inherently bad and it needs to be controlled it brings out it's bringing out the worst in our people just like when you're dealing with somebody and you look at them and you tell them that they are they are powerful and that they bring so much good to the world even if they're not feeling that The fact that you believe that about them tends to inspire people to want to show you more of that side of them. Mm -hmm. If you look at somebody and you come at them from the place of you're bad, the things that you think are, you're just selfish. You're not bringing any good to the world. When somebody consistently receives that energy, they get, it takes human nature. Like it it takes us to the point where we're like, okay, like if you believe that about me anyways, then I'm just going to go to war too. Mm -hmm. So whatever we're putting out in regards to what we believe about people, we get mirrored back. Yeah, a lot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just going
1: back to like it—it it has fully taken us away from our intuition and our gut. Fully, all of this yeah. control and all of this—we we've, we've been taught to outsource our power, and we've been, like all, that our power is external. You know, we have to match up what our natural instincts are against the laws and like what society and religion says is moral and what is okay.
0: Yeah, I think that if you find that you're still unconsciously coming from the paradigm of human nature is inherently bad, I would invite anyone and everyone to go on an exploration of finding out where those narratives came from and how much of it you actually really resonates with you. Mm. Because the truth is, we are all sensitive beings. We're all empaths. This -hmm. idea of just some of us being empaths, I, I don't agree with. We all, unless you're really on the spectrum of psychopathy, which is such a small percentage of the population that I don't even really think we need to worry about that when we're talking about this. Um, because the vast majority of, uh, of human beings are just not there. And we're, we're wired for empathy. We're wired for connection. We have mirror neurons. We can feel each other's pain. We all have that. We just learned to numb it because the systems that we live in based on this doggy dog world, um, paradigm taught a lot of people to seek protection instead of connection. Because if somebody believes that humans are bad, they're going to treat me that way. So I need to be ready to protect myself. Yeah, and if you believe that,
1: start looking at
0: what you consume in terms of media.
1: Really look at that. If you watch the news all the time, like that is horrible for your mental health. That is horrible. They leave out so much of what is going on in society and they just focus on what they want you to focus. Mm -hmm. Seek out a, a... holistic picture of everything seek out good news as much as you seek out the bad news are you watching scary movies and movies about war and fighting and all of this and seek out ones that are not what are you looking at
0: my there's that? some neighbor <laughs> there's a neighbor upstairs or something <laughs> flinging papers from their balcony
1: oh my god in the <laughs> middle of a conversation about human beings being good or bad um, there's someone littering outside your fucking window god damn well, let me tell you, my neighbor is planting a tree
0: outside. <laughs> so Who knows, maybe it's beautiful poetry that's being sent out for people to pick up.
1: <laughs> I believe I, that human nature, that humans are inherently good.
0: I do too. For sure. I do. I totally do. And I think most any, of us do. I'm not, I really do feel like most of us do. I hope so. I I think a lot of people that have been on the that have gotten the short end of the stick when it comes to the systems of oppression um, might have a hard time internalizing that message. And that makes sense. So, but then Mm -hmm. the people that are doing the oppressing are also functioning from the premise of human nature needs to be controlled and put down. And then the people that are being put down and controlled are like, people are bad. Don't really care about my well-being. So it just becomes this vicious feedback loop that if we never question it, is going to end up destroying itself. So at some point we have to kind of like pop our head up above water and be like, maybe I'm not gonna function from this. I'm gonna question the energy that we are building all of this on because it's not amplifying more love and kindness and connection, it's amplifying more protection, anger, and viciousness. So Maybe I'm going to liberate myself from this Mm -hmm. and move differently and also believe that what if I what if I allowed myself to believe that my authentic nature was inherently loving? Mm -hmm. Then then maybe when I feel discomfort, I would believe that that's just a part of me wanting to take care of me and that maybe by having that boundary, I'm also helping that person learned that boundaries are possible, even if they get mad at me for it. Suddenly I've been there, whether they want to take it for the best or not, I'm suddenly a being in their experience that said no one was comfortable with it. And so now maybe that can plant a little seed in their mind that, well, am I allowed to have boundaries too? This person just told me, no, I thought that to love and be in connection meant you always said yes, but this person just told me no. And, you know, they're still my friend. They're not they're just totally cool with their no and chill about it. Then maybe I'm allowed to do that too. After I get over being upset with them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Something to think about pretty mental fam. Something to think about.
1: Lots of things to think about.
0: You guys um, DM us, write a review. Let us know, let us know what this topic brings up for you. And maybe even the loop, the, the gaps that you might've seen in our argument, the pieces that you think that we're missing. It's its interesting to get more people involved in this dialogue because it can also help to broaden the message that we are wanting to put through.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, let us know. Do you think people are inherently good or are inherently bad? And if you think they're inherently bad, I wonder, do you really believe that? Or are you holding on to narratives that are making you continue to believe that. You know what I mean? Like, Does your heart actually think that? Dialogue with us. Let us know. Oh, and by the way, we had a lovely, beautiful listener. Shout out to you. Who was like, I just found out you guys were sisters. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah, y'all, we're sisters. (laughs) If you guys don't know, we are sisters. We are totally sisters. <laughs> we get people who think that we are twins, and then we get people who think that we're not even related. Which to yeah. think that we're not related? I mean, just look at the eyebrows. Look at the eyebrows. If Compliments nothing else. of Oscar Sinistera and his hairy family. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. All right, you guys, we love you so much. Thank you so much for tuning in. And if you are looking for community and want something that deals with mental health as well, come and do our full moon breathwork session. It is going to happen on the full moon in February. I think it's February 16th. I think fact check she, me, just look up.
0: I, I have mean, no idea. She'll be back to confirm with you guys. Yeah, but or it's just, uh, just look at the pretty mental IG. Stay posted on there or um link in our bio yeah exactly link in the show notes um yeah come
1: breathe with us it's a group of people who we breathe together you know it's and we're all here for the same journey of wanting to we're just fed up with not living our best lives you know and you're well and if you have social anxiety and are not sure if you want to do it or not come then you come hang with me then you should definitely do it then you should do it even more Yeah. And if you are nervous and you want to email me or message me, email me and message me. We can talk for a minute. You know, I'm I'm super cool. We we can be friends. Okay, come breathe with me. And if you guys want to hear anything else from us that we haven't spoken about or you want us to dive even deeper on, go DM us, email us. Let us know any topics that you want us to cover. This is for all of us.
0: Yes, yes, yes. All right, guys, we love you so much. Remember that every single part of you is welcome here. We
1: love you. Nos queremos mucho. Nos
0: queremos mucho. Peace out. Bye.